Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast. We're here on episode 40, which is a milestone for us. So we thank you all for listening. We're going to get into it in a minute, but I'm just glad to be back here talking with you guys. I'm here as I am every week with my main man, Big Jimmy Kennedy, here to lay it down, tell the truth as he sees it. He just got back from a jazz club. Jimmy, uh-huh. out, Jimmy was out jamming last night. How'd that go, Jimmy? Uh, fantastic, man. It, I went to the world famous jazz kitchen here in Indianapolis. Uh, I covered it for my college station, uh, 88.7 WICR. Uh, and then my dad, who I've talked about on this show before, he was an entertainer, singer uh, in Indianapolis for over 40 years. And the jazz kitchen was one of the many venues that he would sing at and perform at. So, you know, it was cool to just be in a place that he had performed and I certainly felt his presence in the night because several of the singers that were performing knew him and were happy that my mom and I could make it. And, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years, honestly, since I've been out and seen live music. So it, it was an odd feeling really to, to hear that in real time, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. I get yeah. that. You know, I, I myself, yeah. you know, I've seen a few friends perform and stuff, but I went to a concert last week my old buddy, uh, Jose Feliciano, was doing his annual Christmas concert. And this year it was a benefit for human trafficking. So it was a worthy cause. And I got there and a great surprise to me, uh, somebody I work with in live TV forever, the great Venice Thomas, who's just a world-class background singer, you know, in live television, a first call kind of studio singer in New York, was the opening act. She has her own band, like a jazz soul kind of funk band. And she came out like with opened with Mavis Staples. I'll take you there. You know, and this woman's got a, a voice that's a gift from God that, you know, you only get from singing for 40, 50 years. She's Memphis royalty and stuff, grew up in it. So, uh, and lives in Connecticut now, but uh, just came out and I teared up as soon as she walked on the stage with her backup singer, because they're soul and they're the real deal, you know, and they're coming correct onto that stage. And I can tell a performer, like if they're going to move me by the way they walk on the stage, you know, when they're feeling it and they're, you know, you can see it's in them and they're about to bring it to you is nothing better. And, you know, your dad lives on through the music, you know, music love yeah. never leaves, Jimmy. It just, it's just in a different form right now. You'll see your dad again. He's, he knows what you're up to, you know, his energy and presence is there. And that's why we're so drawn to music. Cause it's, you know, it comes from beyond. Everyone's talking about the Beatles now and what you, you know, Beatles were great, but like any, any, great songwriter worth his salt will tell you that ultimately like they don't know where it comes from right you show up to do the work you show up to write every day that's the job of an artist or a musician or a painter you show up at the table you know but that divine stuff that that's almost like beyond explanation that comes from some higher other realm and that's why we're so drawn to it you know and the Beatles got all these songs that are just gifts you know let it be all this stuff that you know they'll, they clearly sort of channeled not that they didn't put in the work that's what that documentary is about but at its best a lot of stuff is just super inspiring and you know we need that inspiration and that's that's the spirit we should really be celebrating in the holidays so I know what that must have felt like because you know I had my same experience on Tuesday and I was trying to not cry because I was sitting next to strangers and basically like they're just going to see a white dude crying in a mask which would scare me right Right, if I sat down in a theater and the dude next to me had like tears rolling out of his eyes I'd be like psycho killer I'm out of (laughs) here right you know you don't have a mask you can't give that little smile to just let them know like oh I'm just moved it's all good like it's only communicating deep <laughs> yeah. emotion, which is going to make somebody <laughs> uncomfortable, you know? So yeah. uh, that's just, uh, you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, and it was great to see Jose. He's hilarious. Right. And, uh, you know, I got my own show at the end of the month to celebrate the holidays, Jimmy. I'm going to be at the City Winery in Boston, which is an incredible venue. I'm going to be there for December 23rd, two shows, 6 and 9 p.m. in the Haymarket Lounge. It's going to be lit. I hope everybody comes out. I'm going to do like a year in the year in review, you know, since at the end of the, the year, I'm going to make it a Christmas special. You know, I'll talk yeah. about the stuff that folks want to hear me talk about. But, you know, I'm going to bring something special that night. So come on out if you're listening. And, uh, you know, what a year it's been, Jimmy. You know, it, it's yeah. what, a, what a couple of years, you know, for five years, it's just been unrelenting and there's no there's no break in the madness and it, it seems to be getting 
worse. I don't want to make it, you know, a big bummer episode. I'm done with all the like trying to warn people like who am I you know I speak out on Twitter and people are like you spelt that wrong you use the wrong I'm like pissed off getting into the shower trying to address like <laughs> fire and and yeah. and liberal people that follow me uh -huh. like think they're being helpful by pointing that out you mm -hmm. know and I don't care like I'm a comedian it's not an issue of the New Yorker I'm not sending it into my editor I'm trying to say like Ron DeSantis is dangerous and you know people are always like, why does it bother you so much? That Why it bothers me? Because it shows me that a lot of the people that I think are like-minded with me and are paying attention to this are really just looking for the next shot to be like snarky to somebody they follow because they're overwhelmed by the daunting challenges we face. So it's easier to sort of just like, well, here's something I can control. I can correct his grammar and then a couple other people will give me likes and maybe at best say, oh, thanks. That was bugging me too. And I can feel superior for five seconds and then go back to my tiny life at my kitchen table, reaching into cyberspace to feel relevance. I get it. I get what it feels like and why people enjoy doing it. And I love, I mean, I get why they also want to kind of poke somebody who they see with a big following and see him get upset and shit. And I do get upset. Cause I'm sober, dude. I'm in recovery. Like Twitter is a character defect to begin with. <laughs> if I was really wise, I wouldn't be on there at all. I'll be on there for three years next week. December 7th was when I joined December 8th and Kathy Griffin retweeted my, my stand up, and it went viral. And that's, that's how come most people even know I'm on Twitter. Cause I wasn't before that. I wasn't on social media when Trump right. When Trump got elected, I shut down my Facebook, all that kind of stuff, because I knew it was the tool that allowed him to get elected more than anything else. Trump wouldn't have become president in the 90s, in the 80s, you know, before social media, it wouldn't have happened. Social media is the gift that keeps on giving with that, you know. So those yeah. moments where I realized like, oh, I'm wasting my time. And it's not like it's all bad. I got followers that come out to my shows that I never would meet. I meet their families. My man Gus is coming out with his kids to Boston. He came out to Norwalk. I met all these teachers and cool people in Annapolis. So it's you wonderful. met me. I met but, you. Yeah, I do yeah. a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of cool people who follow yeah. me. Senators, like movies, whatever. You know, I make a Beatles joke and Paul McCartney's guitar player <laughs> will re reply to it. Like there's a lot of fun things on social media, but it's also draining and exhausting. And I find it particularly disheartening when I just realize what we're up against and that some people just, you can have all the emojis in your bio you want about blue waves and we're going to get them. And, and then you're just being snarky to other people on there. Like you're not helping. Yeah. Not that dudes like me are helpers, but dudes like me will be like, all right, dude, what, what's in it for me? I don't get paid for telling you Trump's on Adderall that he used the N-word. All this stuff, I'm, I'm only doing it because nobody else would tell you the truth about this guy because there was too much money to be made. CNN wasn't going to tell you. NBC wasn't going to tell you. It's easier now to talk about Biden's dropping poll numbers than it is to talk about the truth. It came out this week that Trump had COVID and went to a debate with Biden. That's the dude I knew. He was a psycho killer. There was things they hit about Trump that he did that were so abhorrent, Jimmy, it would blow your freaking mind. And they got him out of there instead of calling the police because Trump had police on his payroll, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, who wants that trouble? He's got an NYPD sergeant standing right next to him named Keith Schiller who'll come over here and beat my face in if I go ask that girl why she just ran out of his room crying, right? right. So they just let him get away with it. And other lawyers will pay off the victims and pay the porn stars and all this kind of shit. So it's a system. And Trump exists within a system that has a lot of other wealthy people involved in it. And a lot of media interests can make a lot of money off it. So mm -hmm. they don't talk about it, you know? And it, it comes and goes, a revelation like that. The dude had COVID, went to a debate to take out his opponent. That's why his kids didn't wear masks. That's why they took him off in a grand gesture in the front row. They probably blew as hard as they could in Biden's direction. You know, no joke, because they knew, look, oh, Biden's in his 70s, he gets that thing. He's not going to be able to run, or even if he gets sick, they can exploit it. You yeah. know, and they obviously also held it to kind of held the news that he had it to make Trump feel, you know, virile and all that kind of stuff because they see it as a weakness, you know. But that should be so insane. It should be like, stop the press. Let's raid Mar a Lago right now. You basically were attempting murder on your presidential opponent as a president of the United States. And it's yet another thing in the litany of stuff 
that keeps going and that nobody can stop. There was a white supremacist rally yesterday at Lincoln Memorial on Saturday. We're taping this on Sunday. You're hearing it tomorrow, Monday. But when I lived in DC in 89 to 93 and four, and then uh, before that as a kid, if you told me that a parade of 200 white supremacists were about to walk down the mall, you know, and be protected by the cops, I'd be like, you're tripping. Those dudes will get murdered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and the fact that we just, oh, that's a, that's a group of white supremacists marching down the national capital. Like, it's just normal now. That's yeah. insane, you know? And that, that is a symbol of something so deeply broken in this country that not enough people are truly calling it out. The AG is doing whatever the hell they're doing, asleep at the wheel afraid to rock the boat too much, buying time, and time's not on your side. These Koch brothers got more money. The, the Republicans got a bigger voice than we have, you know, and they have these angry people. And we'll get into it in a little bit about this kid, but the main theme, you know, this, this kid who just shot up another school this week, mm-hmm. more than anything I've said to you, Jimmy, is I worry most about the kids that are getting raised in these MAGA homes. Because you're breeding monster, you know, and some of your congressmen are begging people to do that. Madison Cawthorn was like, raise your boys to be violent. It's seen as a virtue now, picking up an assault rifle. And it's also seen as a quick way to the big time in the right wing, because they made a hero out of Kyle Rittenhouse. Kid will be a millionaire by the end of the year. You know, he'll be a congressman in five years if we don't stop this shit. Anyway, you go. You go. Well, you know, it's... (laughs) I'm from Indiana again, folks, in case you didn't know, uh, which is the birthplace of the Klan. And, you know, my dad had to play events in public spaces, and sometimes he would run into like Klan rallies that were either anticipated or, you know, one would come, come by and he'd have to deal with it. And this looks like a more militarized KKK to me, you know, that kind of marching down the mall. And those guys, they're wearing masks now. <laughs> So why? To hide their identity, because they don't want to be identified by their job or somebody else. And you're absolutely right, man. You know, my generation is woke to what's going on, but I don't know if they're necessarily wanting it to change. You know, as much as they want to see their friends succeed, they're also wanting to maintain what they grew up with, with their parents. They're they're wanting to keep their lifestyle afloat. And uh, talking about like Trump and how he tried to get Biden sick. You know, Trump's a UFC fan. And in case you haven't watched UFC, you can knock a guy out. You can like beat him up to the point that he quits or you can submit the guy. Like a UFC fighter, you know, the Ukraine impeachment didn't work. His pressure with the Georgia AG didn't work. You know, one of the tactics he's now using is a disease that could have killed a 78-year-old man, former VP. Like anything that this snake can do to stay in power, he's going to do, including coughing in, in a guy's face. Like, of that's course. just pathetic. Of course, because he gets away with it. He exploits the system. He exploits reasonable doubt and the honor system. And people who don't even like him will defend him and not even understand it because they don't even know the full story, you know, and you addressed a lot there. So let me let me go work backwards. OK, yeah. Trump murdered his three executives. Okay. You can't Mm -hmm. prove that. I can't prove that, but I guarantee you that's what went down. They were cooperating in an investigation into money laundering in Taj Mahal, one of his casinos in the eighties, his three top executives. He summons them to New York city to do the press for a boxing match. Why do you need the CFO at the boxing match and the president and the vice president and the CEO of your casinos, right? He gets Mm -hmm. three guys to come to New York city, do a match, you know, do a press presser or whatever, you know, Trump tower somewhere for the match. That's going to be that night. And then he sends them back on a rental helicopter. Okay. (laughs) This guy had a fleet of helicopters at the time with his name on the side of it. He doesn't get on a toilet unless his name is written on the side of it with painted gold. Right. But he Mm -hmm. told everybody I was going to get on that helicopter too, after a crash. No, you weren't. You weren't going to get on a rental helicopter out of Lincoln park, New Jersey. But your three executives were, and somebody knew they were going to get on there. And guess what? That helicopter didn't make it back to Atlantic City. It went down in the Pine Barrens on a clear day without a single Mayday call because the rotor broke off, right? And the NTSB investigated it, and it was a hairline fracture caused at the, you know, just a freak accident in the factory that nobody caught, even though no other, no other rotor came out of that factory that way. Right. And you can put like liquid metal and shit on stuff 
to bring about those kind of accidents, right? But you hear all that and you're like, oh, that's crazy. All these people were in on it, blah, blah, blah. It could have never happened. So he gets a pass, right? Nobody looks deep into this stuff. And he's always three people removed, right? Trump wasn't out there with a nail file working on the rotor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody sure. who worked for the Gambinos and his partners in crime were out there. That's why Trump never got in trouble think about this is what I always tell people you have to understand about him. He didn't pay his contractors. He built casinos and then he stiffed the guys who put in the carpets and the brass railing and all this kind of stuff in these casinos. And nobody took a hit out on him. Do you know how messed up that is in South Jersey? If you rip off a carpenter, they can go into a diner and meet somebody who will take care of that for you and get your money. You know what I mean? <laughs> or at least send a message real clear to the guy who's doing it to you. Trump did that over and over with impunity, right? Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? It tells you he was untouchable by the mob because he was one of them. They hate him. He's a scumbag, but he's partnered with him. So that's who this guy is. And my point is you're still treating him like he's a normal guy. Like we got to dot your I's and cross your T's. He's 75 years old now. You better stop him or the people that he empowered because you're never going to stop around DeSantis, who, by the way, wants to start his own militia in Florida now. And people will even apologize to that. They'll say, well, some states have their own guards to take the place of the National Guard if they're called up and, you know, a hurricane hits. That's not why DeSantis is doing it. He's doing it to deputize all these idiots in their pickup trucks with their MAGA flags and stuff and their AR-15s. So he can call them up and intimidate his opposition and cause chaos. And like you said, you know, they're organized now, right? In your dad's time, it, you know, they still existed, but it was a freaky thing to see the Klan walking down the street. Now right. it's commonplace. And even this kid who shot up this school, you know, there's so many things failed. So many things did the right thing, like teachers did the right thing and said this kid's drawing bullets and he's a psychopath and like they turned him in. But right. the administrators listened to the parents, sent the kid back to class. When the parents fled, because they're cowards, like all MAGA patriots are, they're really just cowards. That's why they were attracted to Trump, because he made them feel tough. It's the same. He was like a weak man's idea of what a tough guy looks like, you know, just like he was a poor guy's idea of how rich people behave. Right. That's not how real rich people act. They don't have gold fucking toilets and stuff. OK, I got about 10 billionaires in my town. You'll never even notice them walking down the street and they could buy and sell Trump. Some of them have their own names on the side of buildings. But anyway, so that sheriff in that town, when those parents fled and one reporter, somebody said, well, aren't you worried that they're dangerous? And he's like, I don't think they're dangerous. Why? Why aren't they dangerous? They just bought a semi-automatic pistol and gave it to their son and he just killed four classmates, right? <laughs> but what he was saying was, they're white, guys. Calm down. They're white. They're going to come in. They're going to turn themselves in. It shows you how Americans have been conditioned to think that if somebody's got white skin and lives on the suburbs, in the suburbs, they're somehow not as criminal as minorities can be, as African-Americans can be, right? Because every fucking TV show you watched growing up in the 70s and 80s, the bad guy was a black guy, right? Or Hispanic drug dealer in your movies and stuff. It's bullshit. The biggest drug dealers were white guys named Bush from Connecticut, okay? You know, that's your real criminals, your Sacklers, selling Oxycontin in the 90s, making billions of dollars. Those are your real criminals. But if you start exposing that, then you're exposing the system that allows these people to exist. And then you, then it starts to trickle down to your local lawyers and your bank presidents and all these other guys are just trying to send their kids through school and pay for their mortgage and maybe get a summer vacation house and blah, 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 right? And that whole system starts tumbling if you get honest about what this country really is, why it exists, what it was built upon. And that's the battle we're ultimately in now is the truth. People don't wanna know the truth about the United States, about how racist it is. Yeah. You know, you talked about jazz musicians, had they played in your club as they did. I mean, you know, Indianapolis had a great jazz scene, but those guys had to leave town at night. A lot of towns, there were towns they'd play in and had to get out of town by sundown or they'd end up hanging from a fucking tree. That's the reality of this country. And those people yeah. still gave us music. They still gave us their best. Can you imagine going and performing in a town, playing your heart and soul out and gifting people? with this wonderful music, knowing most of those people would spit on you if they had the chance in the street. They'll sit there and clap for you, but they won't let you stay in the hotel or eat in the restaurant or use the same water fountain that you have to get off the sidewalk when they come walking through. 
even though you served your country? Can you imagine that? And in the face of that, African-Americans still gave us our best. They still toured this country. They still lifted us up with their art and wisdom. Think about that. You know, if you don't want to pay reparations, pay for the music you took, pay for the culture they gave us, pay for the labor, pay for all the bullshit they went through. That's what it's about. It's not about, well, my family didn't own slaves. So what? You know, people talk about critical race theory and stuff. Oh, they're teaching like, you know, African-American history. No, that's American history. Okay. It was just two parallel things, but we were both existing here at the same time. Enslaved people were right here alongside your forefathers that you venerate and think are the real history. And the rest of the history just hasn't been told because the people don't want you to tell it. It's that's American history. We just, you know, we just blacked out part of it. No pun intended. There's this shadow world that most of these kids don't know. And allowing that ignorance to fester for so long, we thought we'd get away with. And now we realize we're not getting away with it because now there's just generations of morons and monsters putting on masks and khaki pants and walking with their little cuck brothers down to the National Mall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking uh, they're tough guys because a big idiot in a diaper came along and told them like he was going to make them great again. He's going to leave you in the dust, you idiots. He's going to croak in his fucking mattress jerking off to a picture of Ivanka one night you know <laughs> he'll be gone and you'll be leaderless with a bunch of other grifters trying to take you and your mom's dumbass money you know so they can sell you some guns they're not living in white trash stan wisconsin or wherever kenosha <laughs> they're in the hamptons they're on fifth avenue these people that are manipulating you want nothing to do with you charles coke is not eating sunday brunch in fucking cracker barrel right now i promise you dude Joel Osteen, who's telling you, you know, abortion is bad or whatever he's did is hiding money in his bathroom in his church. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting picked off left and right. These guys, they're getting so played, these MAGA idiots, but they're not going to give it up. Right. Because it's all they have now. It's a religion. They've identified with it so deeply that they're going to go down fighting. Anybody who doesn't think this, there's a lot more violence coming down is not paying attention. You know, I, I uh, that's not the case. If I was younger and had kids, I'd be out of this country as quick as I could, to be honest with you. Really? Well, yeah, I, I've uh, I've thought about looking into migrating Canada. Um, honestly, uh, I was going to ask you later on the show, but I'll, I'll do it now. You had uh, Ted Cruz calling for the state of Texas to actually leave the union. Do you think that's possible? You think states are going to start thinking about actually leaving the union and we're going to be divided within the 48 i don't know you know i don't know i'm not a constitutional scholar yeah. i know it's just going to get worse and worse you know i think that yeah. those kind of states are going to become more and more ostracized something like texas you know there's a huge liberal huge you know technology sector in texas like you go to austin the people are normal dude they're like people <laughs> leave new york city and move to austin it's all just tech bros and male comics you know you got your joe rogan influx you know you got your people that left california during covid to move there and follow their butt buddy joe rogan you know because they think that, <laughs> that sets opening for them but you know most of these guys in texas are, are not as wacky as the ones that are in charge but unfortunately it's like we're being ruled by minority do you know what i'm saying by by the republicans and the people that get the littlest amount of votes you look at Dan Crenshaw's district, it's gerrymandered like crazy, you know? So that guy, get, he's in Houston and it just looks like a jigsaw puzzle, you know, because they have to carve out all the people that would be like, get the hell out of here. But so, and they fall for that. You know, that's the other thing is that that Christianity and that I got a gun and stuff, it's, you know, it's terrifying. I think they'll become more and more like third world countries. And I hate that term third world. But what I mean is like the new draconian abortion laws and stuff, you know, the rich kids will still get abortions, right? The oil executive's daughter gets pregnant at UT Austin will be able to fly to New York City for the weekend and take care of her problem. Right. But other people won't. And that'll create even more societal issues. You know, the thing before the Supreme Court is about Mississippi. That's the worst state you could be born in, statistically, mm -hmm. right? It's 50th in everything, child poverty, education, everything. The water is not even safe to drink in Jackson. So that's the last place you want to be born anywhere in the United States. And, they, and you have to be born there now, you know, yeah. and you have crazy Amy Coney Barrett saying, well, just give it up for adoption. Now, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be a woman and hear that, 
that little regard for what a woman goes through carrying a baby to term and having to give it up. That's a scar that never heals. That's a soul-wrenching decision and a, and a decision that only a woman should have to make, not be forced to make. It's a medical problem for many weeks, you know, and that's the only way it should be treated. It's no dude's business ever. Certainly not a bunch of dudes in white robes that were put there because they had gambling debts or they were just assholes like Clarence Thomas, who wanted power, who was a sexual predator himself. You know, I was there in D.C. when he got put on and that was a fucking injustice. So, you know, and these guys are ruling nine people and they'll repeal Roe v. Wade. It's a basically a done deal. You talk to the experts, you know, it's the first domino to fall. And they're well, like, oh, our hands are off it. I'm going to let you talk. I'm just saying like their hands, are, they, that their excuse is like, well, the Supreme Court shouldn't weigh in on this controversial issue. That is your job. That's literally why it's going to the Supreme Court. So you can decide because the rest of us can't figure this shit out. The thing that I, that blows my mind, you know, the thing that I can testify to is, the way that the virus is still being handled, you know, not imposing mass mandates, it's a violation against the ADA. People with disabilities aren't able to go to school, you know, and I had an ideal situation where I had two parents at home, access to money, internet, everything I could possibly need, you know, and I was still ostracized among my group of friends. I had friends, but I was ignored, you know, I was judged. I can't imagine going to school now having to deal with the virus and the threat of like a shooting happening too. And as someone with a disability, I'm going to be the slowest target yeah. and one that stands out, you know, like that's what I think about. That's what I thought about. I'll let you finish. But when I saw the video, I don't know if you saw it, but the kids in the classroom that were so brave and that, you know, the, the kid knocked on their door and was like, sheriff's <laughs> department, open up. It's all clear. And they were sketchy. They're like, wait a minute. And they're like, no, bro, it's all good. And they're like, he said, bro, that's the killer. So they all started jumping out of the window. You know, it was the first floor, but they still had to climb over the window. And I thought of you, I was like, How, what would Jimmy do in that situation, right? Because they got out of there. They ran and got out of there and jumped out the window. You probably, you need some help to jump out of a window probably, right? I mean, I mean, I'd take I, I gotta, I gotta I'd have your back, Jimmy, just so you know. I'd have your back, okay? Come on. Yeah, you'd be on out. my back, dude. Piggyback, Jimmy. Get on. We're getting out this window. Um, <laughs> but, but how terrifying is that? You know, I'm not joking about that shooting. It's the most horrific thing in the world. But I, when I watch it, I'm like, Jimmy's not getting out of that window. Well, and man, you talked about, like, losing people your age from a car wreck. I lost three friends in car wrecks when I was in high school. I remember their faces. I, I don't forget them. I, I remember it like it's yesterday. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a safe place that was never ridden with crime. And I can't imagine a place where I'm supposed to grow and figure out what I'm supposed to do. I'm getting cut down by a bullet because a guy's too weak to get therapy or he's gonna be considered weak by who? What, what are you trying to prove, MAGA? What do you want at this point? <laughs> like, it's chaotic, man. It's, it's unraveling at the seams. Well, and that's the point. It's, it's, a, it's an act of war. Trump was an act of war, Jimmy. He was put there by Putin to destroy things. Trump does one thing good in his life. He breaks things. That's all he does. He's the guy you bring in if you want the business to fail, okay? But he's a money launderer's best friend. Because then when the business fails, the, the money's clean. They, they pass it through for a while, and then it looks legit, and they can write it off in debt. There's all kinds of little tricks. And somebody like him is the perfect beast for that. That's what he is. He basically was a professional money launderer. you know. And I don't know how long the government has known that. They're not just finding it out now, though. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So like my point in that is like laundered money propped up this economy and when the real estate market collapsed in 2008 there's billions of dollars that come in and out every week in drug trafficking somebody wants a piece of that so trump was installed by putin to create chaos and divide this country yeah. and social media you know all the bots all this kind of stuff it was designed they micro targeted people like those parents uneducated, resentful people who, who clearly like their lot in life has been falling over decades for a variety of reasons, you know, most of them because of Republicans, 
making corporate like boards more important than human beings, you know, and allowing everybody to move factories over to China. So the CEO can make $20 million a year and some 12 year old can make a buck a week assembling your iPhone or something, you know, because everybody wants cheap goods. That's the other thing. Everyone's pissed now inflation. You're buying some cheap crap in Walmart. You know, like we don't invest in America, putting a bumper sticker on your car and hanging a flag off the back of your pickup truck is not the same thing as investing in America. These guys fled Nakia. They fled Nakia. <laughs> Korea's kicking our ass. All their products are better. Let's be real. Samsung, you want that TV. Kia's look awesome. Like, so even they know, make America great again in my Korean car, you know? And I'm not, I'm not dissing imports. I'm saying like, they don't even know which end is up. They're buying MAGA hats that are made in China. They don't even know why the factory closed in their town, but they know Reagan had a really cool commercial and hated black guys. And so did their grandpappy and grandpappy voted for Reagan. So I'm voting for Trump. Do you know what I'm saying? It's generational. It's why the Koch brothers destroy education and healthcare and social security. They don't want you getting smart. As I said last week, they want expendable serfs to fuel their ambitions and stay out of their business. And their business, for the most part, is using public resources to make enormous amount of money, amounts of money. That's what the oil business is. That's what all these pipelines are about. They're making a very few people very wealthy at the expense of us all in selling you on the idea that you have a God-given right to $3 a gallon gasoline. So you can drive to your minimum wage job and work a 12-hour shift behind a counter in 7-Eleven, selling people crap that's made in China or food that's poison and stuff, and then go home and watch your TV and get your Game Boy. And all this powerlessness that you feel in your life can be gone in a moment if you buy this big rifle. Now you can buy an AR-15 and be a superhero. And the reason your life sucks so bad is because all these other guys came here and messed it up, and these liberals and these communists right? And you couch all that in a charismatic leader, which Trump was, right? He's a fool to the rest of us, but to, you know, to anybody with a brain, Trump is the biggest <laughs> idiot you ever met, right? Right. But to these WrestleMania idiots, he's the only famous person they know, because there he is in the arena, just next to them. Look, it's the guy from the TV. Let's take yeah. a selfie of him. He's telling us we're great. Then he's getting on a private jet and going back to his golf club and having sex with a 14-year-old with Jeffrey Epstein, and he still got you thinking he wasn't involved with him. So the whole thing is an act of war, Jimmy. And it's a scary one because we weren't prepared for it. As I say all the time, we don't really have the team we need to combat it, right? Mm -hmm. People are still wanting business as usual. And, and that's going to be to our disadvantage. People are going to fight with each other, right? Everyone wants to be like, calm down. The DOJ is taking their time and dotting their I's and crossing their T's. It's going to be too late by the next midterms to do anything. You needed to take a stand. January 6th commission needed to do something within this calendar year. And that's obviously not going to happen now. You know, and, and all these things are just going to foment the unrest. And the other side is going to gain more and more power. And there's going to be more and more chaos. And there's going to be more and more shootings. I don't want to make you cry, Jimmy. I'm just saying. Well, what, what breaks my heart, and I, I, one of Jimmy's picks from last week was that tyrant docuseries on Netflix. It's like Trump and his goons have figured out, and it's obvious, but when you're evil, <laughs> this is your MO, like when you're too tired, hungry, and poor to fight, you just you give up. You just eventually relent to the BS around you. And for me, a journalist, you know, journalism is like the, the study of truth, basically, the chronicling of truth. What the hell is truth? I, I, I've mentioned this before on the show, but like the objective that I thought I would go on, the path that I would have, you know, not that I'm going to be some kind of truth teller, but the whole concept of the business has been turned on its head. So for me, it's kind of difficult to figure out what the next step is, you know, like how am I going to navigate a world where it's your truth versus mine? And that was the biggest sin, Jimmy. And allowing yeah. corporate media to do that, to put on Kellyanne Conway, who said it's alternative facts, oh you know, and for Chuck Chod and all these idiots, CNN to keep both siding the issue. Once from day one. That, you should have been banned from TV. You know, her first appearance, she did a fucking infomercial for Ivanka's clothing line, right? And she wasn't yeah. held accountable. That's Kellyanne Conway, by the way, the daughter of a Philly mobster. Okay, she's a mobster's daughter. 
<laughs> that's where Whoa. the Kellyanne Conway comes okay. from. Her dad was wow. a huge mobster, you know, her grandfather or whatever in Philadelphia. She's from a crime family. She was a criminal hired by a major criminal. And once they were able to do that, because Trump told them, he said, look, they're not going to do anything. You know, just go out there and lie. They can't do dick about it. And he was right. We didn't. We accepted it. Remember everybody being like, he can't have his convention at the White House. They <laughs> oh ripped out the Rose Garden to put in a walkway so you could be a crane and get a big jib shot of, you know, Melania walking down the stairs. That's why they ripped out the Rose Garden so they could put mm -hmm. in a concrete path and slide a crane down it. That's Dude. the only reason. It was a TV show they shot in the backyard. But everybody's like, hey, they, they can't be using the White House for their political gain. And they did it. And nobody mm -hmm. stopped them like a thousand other things. And they infected our media. Right. And now the only people that are getting taken out in media are like left wing people. Right. Chris <laughs> Cuomo just got fired, who I know Chris Cuomo, you know, and uh, I knew him. You know, I did the TBS upfront with him years ago. But uh, and, you know, CNN's a TV show. That's another example. You see, when you do an upfront, that's where a network has the advertisers come and they say, this is what's on this year. You know, we got a remake of Dallas and we got this or that. Yeah. <laughs> right. CNN is just lumped in with Conan O'Brien and all their other shows. It's a TV show. It's entertainment. That's mm -hmm. the other thing is people think the stuff they see on the news is news. It's not. It's entertainment. Jeff Zucker was the head of NBC Entertainment before he went to CNN. He was the guy who gave Trump the apprentice, the green light. <laughs> no, he knew Trump was an idiot who couldn't read, who wasn't a real billionaire, uh -huh. right? But he didn't speak up in 2015 because it was ratings gold, because that same lunatic was standing on the dais calling all the other Republicans around him fat or short or something. And people were like, oh, my God, because it was a reality show. That's what it was. And the whole experience became a reality show now. And there's money to be made. And that's yeah, what you have to be fearful, Jimmy. You have to be fearful of who's making money off of this. That's what you need to look at. Why is Mark Meadows' book even getting mentioned on network TV who lied about COVID? Why is Chris Christie getting the biggest publicity tour in the history of mankind? You know, <laughs> well, I, That's a lot the, of extra money reinforcing office chairs so they don't collapse on live <laughs> TV. You know, you have to get a heavy duty chair for him to sit in because he's over 300 pounds. I'm not joking. Big, That's a production money. element. Like he has to sit yeah. on a heavier chair. You don't just put a normal like little stool out there. Yeah. Um, one one clip that I saw this week was uh, Dr. Oz, who's had his own TV show. And uh, he said on live TV, you know, if we have two or three percent mortality, then we can live with that. You know, so much for the sanctity of life. You know, you are so full of shit to be saying that like crazy. He's a Turkish guy, too. He's, a, he's an Erdogan <laughs> guy. He's a Turkish dictator's, like, buddy. Oh, really? A long history with Dr. Oz and, and Erdogan. And Dr. Oz went and fought in, like, the Turkish army. He moved over there to, like, join up with the Turkish army and stuff. So he's got what? a long... Yes. There's a oh, whole... Wow. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, his whole history is, like, bad news. But the same thing. A guy who was made famous on TV. You know, I love Oprah, but that one's on Oprah because she brought him on, you know, but it's not just Oprah. Like there's a whole team, but he's an entertainment. I used to do a show called like Lip Sync Battle on MTV. Mm -hmm. Chrissy Keegan used to host it and stuff. It was really fun, but we used to yeah. shoot it in this like, CBS studio next. I think it was a studio we rented at CBS on the West Side. You don't know New York anyway, but Dr. Oz had the studio next door. And I remember whenever we'd be taping, I'd go like take their Dr. Oz craft service table and shit. You know <laughs> what I mean? But it was entertainment. It was just, a, it's a joke. And, and he, that dude's bad news. He doesn't even live in Pennsylvania, first of all. He lives in Jersey, you know? And if they look into his past, it's not going to be good for him. His brother gave Erdogan like a private tour of Google. Like any fascists around the world are bad news. And that's what's happening. You know, he's, he's another link in this, chain of like let's get our guys in there let's get a guy in pennsylvania who's going to be the senator who's going to be sympathetic to turkey you know to erdogan who's a dictator who by the way wanted to kidnap a cleric who's living in pennsylvania right now in exile and mike <laughs> flynn took that gig and was going to kidnap the dude at the same time trump was elected president and yet again another thing he got away with flynn pled guilty twice the federal crimes, you know, lying to the FBI and something else. And like, he's back as a player, 
right? Roger Stone. All these guys are out and about. The dude just blew off his hearing yesterday. Jeffrey Clark tried to get the DOJ involved in overturning an election, okay? An assistant deputy attorney general. Like, that's insane. And that shows you how many Trump sympathizers were in the DOJ. And they didn't go in there and clean house. As I say almost every week, Jimmy, Merrick Garland should have gone in there on day one, said, raise your hand if Trump hired you, <laughs> you know? And then it should be like, grab your shit and get out. You know, if we do a review and you're cool, you can come back. But for now, get out of the building because the place has been bugged, essentially. I'm using that metaphorically, right? But we discussed it last week. The same dudes that were bugging Adam Schiff's phone, right, and trying mm -hmm. to get their records from Apple were still at the DOJ when that story broke earlier this year, right? The guys who had done that under Trump's administration to Adam Schiff still had their jobs in the DOJ. That does not inspire confidence, it's just an exhausting existence because it's like one thing after another. And it just uh, I saw before the show today, like Trump made a billion dollars off of his social social media platform. Like it's always a grift and there's always, you know, money to be made with with his uh, with his schemes. But people continue to fall for him. Like how many times do you have to fall for this asshole before you wake up to the fact that he's taking from you? Well said. Yeah. You know? He sends him texts all day long still, Jimmy. Have you ever seen any of these texts that he sends to his followers for money? Thankfully not, no. Oh, they're crazy. And like <laughs> a couple of people I follow that share them, it's like, we just found your name in a special file and Mr. Trump knows you haven't donated $50 and he's about to kick your ass if you don't like donate 50 or $500 right now. Like it's nuts. It's just hard line, give me money all day long. Texting yeah. these people. I sold t-shirts like I put it out one day and I sold like five t-shirts online. I was like, wow, I can't even believe people do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but if you want to support the podcast, I sell t-shirts on my, you know, on my website or whatever. But the point is, I couldn't imagine if I just did that around the clock. What if I was just like, send me money? People do it. <sighs> people are sympathetic to you and they do it. And it's wrong. You shouldn't be paying Trump's legal fees at this point, because he's not using it for legal fees. He's just keeping the money. And my point is that kind of direct access to people is commerce. That's what it is. I, must, I, I wasn't trying to intermix my t-shirts. If you are looking for a holiday gift, Noel Kassler t-shirts make a wonderful holiday stocking stuffer. They come in high cotton, cotton, or what a high value cotton, whatever you call it. The good stuff, Jimmy. I sprung for like the really soft, nice cotton and everything. I didn't have mine today, but I'll wear it for next week. Right on. But they're still screened too. So they're done in the real process. They're not just like those knockoff things you buy online. You know what I mean? They're done by a t-shirt manufacturer. You got your CeeLo Green t-shirt on, huh? Yeah, the, uh, the Lady Killer album from CeeLo Green. So um, he, he just released a new one, um, Baby Don't You Go-Go. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. Another, another funky, uh, another funky one from CeeLo. So. I've done a lot of CeeLo gigs. I've told you about, I told you about pulling them out of the pool in Las Vegas <laughs> after the uh, after party. I heard that one. Yeah. With, yeah. with Dave Grohl, right? Dave too? Grohl. Dave Grohl threw CeeLo in the pool and then jumped <laughs> in too. And then uh, his manager, his tour manager and me fished him out. And uh, that was a crazy night, boy. Lemmy, Lemmy from Motorhead was on that gig too. I'll tell that oh, Lemmy man. story in my live show. That's too uh, too crazy for the podcast. <laughs> Come out to see me live in Boston, and I'll tell you that story. Um, if you mention it, if you shout out Motorhead <laughs> from the audience and remind me. But um, Lemmy was a badass. And uh, CeeLo's, you know, it's good. It's good stuff. But, um, you know, let's talk about music. You, you also sent me a pic with your Bill Withers shirt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill was a guy I got to work with, you know, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when he was inducted. That was my assignment. And Graham Nash had a long history with Bill Withers and friendship. And I may have told this story before, but Graham told it to me and it always meant a lot. Like Bill was like almost going to give up. And, and Graham was at a studio like Sunset Sound or somewhere one day. And he heard this incredible singing, incredible song coming from another studio, you know? And he walks in there and it's Bill Withers, like rehearsing a song just with his guitar. And Graham's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And Bill was like, yeah, but I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. You know, I'm going to make it or something. And Graham sort of encouraged him. And I forget exactly. Bill made it on his own merits. I'm not saying Graham was an instrument mental and his success, but gave him like 
a pep talk sort of at the right time. And Graham was a big star at that time. And Bill Weathers was a gift, you know, and just a hilarious, funny guy. His son ran his, his businesses. He has a daughter who's a singer now too, Jimmy. Okay. But um, his son was really cool. And, and Bill was an amazing guy. And, you know, sadly, the guy who was most uh, responsible for, for letting us hear Bill Withers was Charles Avant, who's a wonderful African-American like empresario in the music business, who was just instrumental in so many careers, instrumental in Bill Clinton becoming president and Barack Obama becoming president. I mean, just a baller behind the scenes and a badass from Jay-Z to you name it. He knew everybody and Michael Jackson, you know, he was just involved in all these high level things like a Clive Davis, you know, but, right. but more for the business side. He was making sure African-American artists were getting their fair share, which they never had before. And, you know, and when he showed up, he started a record label and did all these things. And, and Bill Withers was on his record label. And this week, Jimmy, you should watch the Netflix. There's a Netflix or it's on uh, Amazon, but there's a doctor documentary on him. But this week, yeah. home invasion in Beverly Hills, where he lives and somebody shoots his wife of like 50 something years dead. His oh, beautiful, no. charming, intelligent, like just like a queen, like a first lady type oh, being was shot and killed at the end of this guy's life. That's what he has to live with now and remember, you know, and he's old. He was just honored at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you watch the induction wow. ceremony this year, they yeah. gave out a special award to Mr. Avant. His wife got murdered in a home invasion with a gun this week. Oh my God. Beyond the pale. So like, we're, we're losing so much in this nation due to gun violence. You know, everyone's talking about the Beatles and how much they love this CD. John Lennon was murdered with a handgun when I was 10 years old. Okay. And at that time we were talking about gun control with handguns because a year later Reagan got shot and Jim Brady, his press secretary got shot in the head. Right. And people were like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't let people carry guns around that they can stuff in their pockets and sneak up on people and no one can see them coming. And then we seeded that issue. And by the end of the 80s, it was about assault rifles and Clinton got an assault rifles ban, right? And then George Bush repealed it. And ever since it's the number one seller in this country and we've gone gun mad. And now we have 400, over 400 million guns on the streets. We have more guns than we have people in this country. That does not make anybody safer. That makes tragedies happen. That's what that does. That makes four families have Christmas presents under the tree this year that'll never be opened because their kids are in the ground on Christmas morning because they went to school last week and because they couldn't be protected because guns don't make you safer. They didn't come home from school and the kids who went to school with them are going to wake up with nightmares for the rest of their lives about what they saw all for the NRA to make a buck and for a bunch of misinformed idiots to feel like it's their constitutional right. It's not your constitutional right. It's the dumbest thing that any major nation has ever done. The fact that we let guns go the way we've gone in this country will be the biggest blemish that a superpower has ever committed of self-sabotage. It's weakening our country to its core. It needs to stop. And nobody who's not talking about it stopping is just sticking their head in the sand. You have to stop it. You don't get past it. You don't accept it. And here's the truth. Nobody's really going to come for your guns. Those 400 million guns are still going to be there. Nobody's going to go into your closet and look behind your wife's dildos for your little like Sig Sauer nine millimeter. Okay. If you've got a gun in your house and you keep your mouth shut, it's going to stay there. So that fear mongering of they're coming to take our guns. They're going to take everybody's guns. No, they're not. Keep your goddamn mouth shut. You can still have a gun to hunt deer, shotgun on you. You know what I mean? But to keep selling this stuff, to have Kyle Rittenhouses wanting them because they're cool. These parents gave their kids a gun for Christmas. They bought it for their kid for yeah. Christmas. The mom laughed when he got busted for trying to find bullets online. Well, he yeah. had that congressman who uh, took a picture with his family oh. uh, in front of the Christmas tree, dude. Like, that is the last fucking thing that Jesus wants you to do. Believe me. Okay. Last thing he wants you to do is have an AR-15 uh, in hand in a domestic situation. And that's just going to traumatize further shootings more because you have sitting representatives endorsing this shit. Dude, you know? 20 minutes from my house, Sandy Hook, December 14th, nine years ago, 
five-year-olds cut in half in their classroom with a, by a kid whose mom bought him an assault rifle because she wanted to bond with him because he was all wiggly and weird and like messed up. So she's like, maybe I, he likes guns. Maybe that's how we'll bond as parents. And guess what he did first with that gun? Who was the first person he killed? Her. You know, and this kid fucked up. He's supposed to kill the parents first. <laughs> you know, that's how they, they you know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right? That's I how mean, it usually goes. I'm, I'm saying that as a joke. I don't think any of this is funny, but I'm saying like, you know what I mean? You got a whacked out kid, you're giving him a gun. Like that's what's changed. It used to be the parents would be the first victim and now the parents drive them to the crime scene or flee the crime scene and use the money for their own lawyers. They hired themselves a big defense attorney and left him with a public defender. And those parents should spend the rest of their goddamn lives in jail. And they should only get let out of jail when there's another school shooting and they should have to go clean the blood up off of the classroom floors. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's pro NRA and pro shooting should have to show up and see what it looks like after a Sandy Hook. God forbid another one happens, but after it happens. I know first responders who went there who were still messed up. Dudes that were hardened dudes, veterans and stuff. You know, human should have to see the kind of damage that an assault rifle does on soft flesh at point blank range. Those things were designed to cut through jungles, to cut through thick foliage and get combatants, but not be used in a, in a freaking classroom. I'm going to shut up now because it's Christmas time, but you know, that's where we're at. Come out to a live show. I promise I won't rant about this stuff. If you like the tweets, I'm going to be probably tweeting less because I just can't take the aggravation as many of us have. But find me on Instagram. I'm going to put up pictures. I'm going to still promote my shows. I'm going to save up the jokes for the live stuff. So you're going to have to come see me. I'll be at City Winery December 23rd, 6 and 9 p.m. Come on out. I'll be in New York City at the Iridium. January 26th, 8.30 p.m. I think I'll have a friend of mine open up too. So that's going to be a fun show. And uh, otherwise, you know, you can find me noelcastler.com. You know where my Twitter is. I'll keep the car rants up and stuff. And I'll be tweeting, but I'm not going to, I can't keep doing it the way I'm doing it. Three years, every toxic relationship has to come to an end after a while, right? Three years is about the limit. You ever had a bad <laughs> girlfriend? You know, it takes about two years to realize you need to break up and then it takes about a year to get through the breakup <laughs> that, yeah you know what i'm saying so when, when you're attached to somebody man that's that's kind of the second half of the breakup is like oh she's not with me anymore and i gotta move on you know it right. takes time to heal those wounds man so exactly it's detachment you nailed it that's what it's all about the attachment isn't real love it's an attachment it's a spiritual right. illness you know mm -hmm. you already have all the love you need inside of you jimmy and you know, I, I'll close out with this. I talked to, uh, will you tell your, you do your plug and I'll close this out. Um, for folks that want to uh, check out my stuff, you can visit jbkonair.com. Been been doing some writing lately and that's been healing. Uh, so I'm thinking about starting my own newsletter. Uh, I'm going to put out some information this week. So if you like what I say and want to hear it or read it in written form, I'm going to start doing a newsletter and see if that provides more healing. But yeah. This is just a freewheeling conversation between two guys concerned about the country, you know, and it seems like each week, every episode gets a little scarier. You know, it was funny. Now it's now it's scary. Yeah, it's just me trying to make Jimmy cry, folks. That's that's the <laughs> point of this show. I talked about seeing Jose Feliciano this week, you know, and I'm friends with his kids, his two sons playing his band now, which is wonderful. There is rhythm section, guitar and or bass guitar and, and drums. And uh it's nice to see them grow up. I've known them since they were kids, you know, and, and when they were kids, we were all at the Latin Grammys together. This is probably 12 years ago. John Legend was on that show, Carlos Santana, Miami Sound Machine, like it was an incredible event. Juan Gabriel was being yeah. honored. Most of you listeners won't know who that is, but like the Elton John of South America, real cool singer. But anyway, so we're sitting at this table eating lunch. I've told this story before, but it, it, it pretends to what you just said, Jimmy. So Carlos Santana comes by and I'd seen Carlos in this documentary and he talked about a friend of his who killed himself. And he said the guy was drowning in a glass of water, right? He couldn't see the big picture. He was drowning in a glass of water, which is kind of like a Latin saying. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, it always stuck with me. So when I had my chance to talk to Carlos, I was like, Carlos, you said this thing, you know, it really helped me at a dark period. I'm saying this to you, Jimmy, so you don't get too down. You know, he <laughs> said, you want to hear the meaning of life? Come here. You know, and he made me get up and go. He goes, look into my eyes. And he made me look deep into his eyes. 
And he goes, the meaning of life is this. The universe has meaning. My life and your life has purpose. The universe has meaning. My life and your life have purpose. You may not know what the big plan is now, Jimmy, but your job is to stay strong, you know, is to feel that spirit you feel when you think about your father, when you hear music, when you see people, you know, in a club enjoying each other with all different colors of skin dancing together because we're all the same thing. We're all just creatures looking for love, man. You know, and love will win out over all the darkness. The only thing I know for certain is that, brother. And that's what this is a season of. It's a season of light. We're in Hanukkah right now. You know, that's what all the great religions tell you. Love conquers darkness. Your job is to just show up and be present. Yeah, I can do that. All right. So don't get too down. Go watch (laughs) football now, Jimmy. All right. I'll do it. You heading out? Yeah, I I think we should end it. All right. Right? I don't want to want you. I mean, people are going to hate me. Every time you cry, I get hate mail. Hey, you know, it adds to the show. So big heart, yeah. buddy. No shame in your game. And let me just say, one of the reasons I'm crying is I've only seen my dad cry like two or three times in my life. And uh, he cried the day that Sandy Hook happened. You know, he couldn't take it. After that, I didn't I didn't want anything to do with guns. We can do better. That's all, that's all I'm gonna say. We can do better. I mean, look, I'm 20 minutes from there. I drive through there all the time. It's trauma. You know, I was working for the Stones the day it happened at my apartment in the city. We had a day off between shows and I was just like, the world should stop. It shouldn't start up again the next day. You know, and I remember Bruce came, he was, Springsteen was performing with, with the Stones the next day. And I remember seeing it all over his face, you know, like the weight of it, you know, it was, uh, it's beyond the pale you know, all of these things are just as tragic, you know, but for some reason for that one, it's just like, if you're not going to stop it after that and gun sales went up after that, it sold rifles, you know, and Alex Jones and all these right-wing guys used it for like their own promotional purposes, you know, and Joe Rogan had that guy on his podcast. That's why I go after Joe Rogan. You had Alex Jones on your podcast, like screw you, dude, (laughs) you know? screw you and i've been to his twitter it's all like disinformation about like covid and wearing masks and stuff guy's a fucking idiot you know and he's like a gazillionaire for telling lame ass jokes there's a lot of money in it you're not supposed to talk about other comedians that guy's not a comedian he makes people eat bugs on a game show Do you know what i'm saying it has a podcast and he hosts at the comedy store Ooh, very impressive you're an idiot screw that guy he hangs out with the other comedians so, and they, they get a lot of publicity from his podcast. So they'll defend him, but he's a moron. One good thing. I, I want uh, Jimmy's pick for this week. Uh, one good thing to come out of Texas was Stevie Ray Vaughan. I would check out his cover of superstition. Really cool. If you haven't heard it, I would check it out. It's uh, I've never heard it before prior to a couple of days ago, but for him to play something from Stevie wonder, it was different and very cool to hear. Right on. I'm so. glad you enjoyed it. You know, his drummer Whipper is a really good friend of mine, Chris Layton. Stevie's. Oh, drummer. really? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Jackson cool. discovered Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jackson Brown. Okay. Bob wow. Glob, Jackson's bass player. They were doing a show in, uh, yeah, I did discover him. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan was already playing in Texas and he was hired to play with uh, David Bowie. He played on, on Let's Dance on the Bowie album. And okay. And Jackson was playing in Switzerland at the uh, Montreux Jazz Festival. And Bob Glob, who's still in Jackson's band, an incredible bass player, went down to like the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. And Stevie Ray Vaughan was there playing with Double Trouble. And Bob called up Jackson as like, you got to get down to the bar and see this kid play guitar right now. <laughs> like, you got to get down here right now. And Jackson came down and saw Stevie and was blown away and met him. And Stevie was like, yeah, you know, David Bowie wants me to go out on tour with him as his guitar player. And Jackson was like, no, you need to record your own album. And Jackson let Stevie Ray Vaughan record it in his studio and gave mm-hmm. him the Dumble Amp, which is where that sound came from. It's a very high value amp that there's only a few of made by this guy alexander dumble you know so he's he was like instrumental in in stevie ray vaughn getting out there into the world and stevie was so grateful and when when stevie was inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame his drummer told me this story backstage he was so grateful and thankful to jackson that he wanted to uh repay him and jackson was like i'm not you know i don't need anything i don't you know 
it's, it's, I'm happy to do it or whatever. So he ended up buying him a horse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. I know. Okay. Well, that's, that's your behind the scenes stories. And of course I court toured with Ten Kenny Wayne Shepherd, who's like sure. a Steve Ray Vaughn kind of, I don't want to say wannabe, just, you know, he molds himself in that and, and, and whippers in that band. Chris Layton Sweet. plays in that band and so did his bass player for a while. And, but anyway, yeah, Stevie Ray was the bomb. And Stevie Ray, the best thing about Stevie Ray Vaughn is that he got sober, you know, that he lived those last years sober because he understood the spirit. And he gave a great speech once where he was talking about, you know, drugs and alcohol will make you turn away from love because it looks so good to you. That's a lot of what happens with MAGA and all this anger. They're turning away from love because they don't understand it. It looks so good to them that fear and anger are easier. They're easier emotions to deal with because love takes bravery and an open heart. But that's all you got to do is keep your heart open. You'll be all right. All right, brother. I can do that, brother. All right, dude. Your hair is looking good. That's a solid <laughs> hair game. You get a 10 out of 10. Ready all right. Football. Let me see. I can't even see it because I got my, oh my God. Look yeah, it's that. rough now. Look Erase at this. head in the house. Make, making, me, making me cry, taking off my glasses, messing with the, that's all right. Nice. It's you got a highlight reel. You got some highlight reel moments for today, Jimmy. Oh yeah. Always. All right, brother. Always. I appreciate you, man. Good job. Thanks for the work you do. You guys at home don't know, but Jimmy cuts all those clips. He uploads it all. He does all this technical info and stuff. So He's a good man. If you need, if you need somebody, he's your guy. So anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Episode 40 of the Noel Kassler podcast is in the books. Peace.